0: Today's broadcast originally aired on November 8th, 2023. You put very sexy things like abortion and marijuana on the ballot and a lot of young people come out and vote. It it was a secret sauce for disaster in Ohio. Mm. I don't know what they were thinking, but um, that's why I I thank goodness that most of the states in this country don't allow you to put everything on the ballot because pure democracies (laughs) are not the way to
1: run a country. I don't know, Rick Santorum, a pure democracy in Pennsylvania. Tossed you from the U.S. Senate after just one term. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Sounds good to me. I got the feeling of something right. Sorry, Rick. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Democracy. And i want wondering how I'll get down the stairs. What are you going to do? Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's kepw lanchester pennsylvania's w news maui hawaii's kaku in columbus ohio on wgrn palinville new york's wlpp rochester new york's wrfz down in new orleans on whiv out in Gallup, new mexico on kniz Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Jamesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing Planet Earth, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, well, well... What a night. Uh, as, as we always try to warn the day after an election, the results that we're about to report on today's program have not yet been verified by any human beings as being accurate. These will be computer reported results today, which may or may not end up being uh, accurate once results are actually verified, at least in states where human beings still try to do that sort of thing.
0: What a novel idea.
1: They don't do it pretty much anywhere. But, you know, hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, she's a human being.
0: Yes, I am, and, it turns and, out.
1: <laughs> and, of course, um, you know, final counts will are, are continuing to be tallied even now, uh, particularly in jurisdictions, which allow vote-by-mail ballots to be cast or postmarked on on or before Election Day to still be counted if they arrive after uh, in, in the few days following Election Day. So... You know, take all of those numbers with a grain of salt and also, as we like to note on days like this, problems uh, with the voting systems, with the tabulators and so forth, sometimes don't come to light for a number of days. But for now, I am very happy to say, you know, I didn't get to mention this yesterday on the show, Des. What? With, you know, with with the touchscreen voting system meltdown in Northampton County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philly that we talked about, and the alarming number of vote-by-mail ballots that were never received from folks at Ohio State University, um, we sometimes like to remind you, uh, you know, before or on election days, about the only somewhat tongue-in-cheek election administrator's prayer. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, simply put, is, please, please, please let the winners win big. Or sometimes, Lord, let this election not be close. But, by the way, that also happens to track very closely with the election integrity blogger and broadcaster's prayer. In truth, very similar. (laughs) So I am uh, very happy uh, to report so far after Tuesday's off-year elections In a whole bunch of states around the country that most of the results, at least the major ones that came in last night, do not appear to be close. And so we say amen. (laughs) Uh, The other good news is that it was a tremendously good night for both the future of democracy in general despite what Rick Santorum has to say about it and about a good night for freedom, specifically for reproductive rights. Again, we'll be joined shortly by an expert on that matter and the author of the new handbook for post-Roe America, actually written in 2019 before the Dobbs decision by the Corrupted, stolen, and packed U.S. Supreme Court that overturned Roe v. Wade last year in 2022, taking away the otherwise well-established 50-year-old constitutional right to abortion for the American people, and paving the way for Republican-led states to restrict or fully ban such rights. So we'll get into some of those details in a bit. But Tuesday was yet another good night for that, uh, for that issue, and for those who. Support it, which happened to by and large include almost all of the Democrats these days. We start, of course, in Ohio, where uh, residents voted resoundingly to protect abortion rights on Tuesday by writing it into the state's constitution via issue one which state Republicans had pulled out all the stops in hopes of blocking in what amounts to yet another win for reproductive freedom in yet another so-called red state. This one, the first to include an actual affirmative message to protect abortion rights, other red states where reproductive freedoms were successful on the ballot since uh, the court overturned Roe, saw efforts... Uh, essentially blocked to restrict abortion rights. But the measure in Ohio actually affirmatively writes protections for abortion into the state's Constitution, further proving that such freedoms are popular pretty much everywhere. As I hope to discuss with my guest shortly, Tuesday's decisive ballot measure approval means that Ohio's six-week ban, with no exceptions for rape or incest, passed by uh, state Republicans and signed by its Republican governor, though currently that six-week ban is frozen in court. But it means that that uh, ban essentially is now moot. It will not go back into effect ever, at least in theory. According to the latest numbers, with more than 95% of the vote in, Ohio is on track for a nearly 14-point yes margin on Issue 1. Compared to a uh, partisan benchmark in Ohio, the uh, 2020 election, that would be a 23-point swing for Democrats since they uh, lost the state by 8 points back in uh, in 2020. So, that appears to be what a winning issue looks like. Another winning issue on Tuesday in Ohio, uh, is in Ohio, state voters approved legalization for the possession and sale of recreational marijuana by what could end up being an even larger margin than the abortion measure, though it is currently tracking almost identically with it, with uh, yes leading no 57 to 43 percent. I have uh, long argued that whichever party is smart enough to embrace the legalization of marijuana would end up winning a generation or two or three of voters in doing so. I'm frankly not sure that either party has been smart enough to figure that out yet, though Republicans seem to be the only party that is still fighting against it for some dumb reason. Along with calling for the protection of abortion rights nationally, Democrats ought to start calling for legalizing pot nationwide as well. But on Tuesday, Ohio became the 24th state in the union to do so. In Virginia, which as we discussed last week with former state delegate Mark Levine, uh, is a frequent bellwether for the next year's federal elections, Democrats retained control of the state Senate and regained control of the House of Delegates, taking full control of the General Assembly and blocking what Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin had hoped would be a Republican uh, trifecta control of both chambers and the governor's mansion, uh, allowing him to Uh, adopt restrictions on abortion rights and other measures that had been blocked in his first two years.
0: A ban. They're really an abortion ban, not necessarily just restrictions.
1: Those measures had been uh, uh, blocked by Democrats, by the uh, uh, majority control in the Senate in the uh, in the Commonwealth over the past two years. Youngkin was hoping uh, those days were over, that he'd get free reign for his final two years in office. Instead, he got... Nothing. He didn't win back the Senate, which Democrats held by two seats before Tuesday. They appear on track now to hold the majority again by two seats. And it appears that while Republicans had a four seat advantage previously in the uh, House of Delegates, Democrats will now have majority control Uh, Yet again, they have won it back, it appears, with at least a two-seat advantage, possibly a four-seat advantage, depending on how one close, still uncalled contest uh, with the uh, Republican currently leading by about half a point, depending on how that plays out. Youngkin had hoped that a strong night for his party in Virginia would greatly raise his stature as the Republican, who turned an increasingly blue state back to red... But nope, Uh, he had been rumored to be ready to jump into the 2024 GOP presidential race, by the way, with the full recapture for Republicans of the General Assembly in Virginia on Tuesday. Instead, he lost control of both the Senate and the House to Democrats in a crushing setback for the Republican governor's political future and uh, in a, a frequent... Bellwether in Virginia that might serve as a predictor for next year's congressional elections. So, apparently, a uh, friendly dad sweater vest and a uh, pretend moderate demeanor, along with a promise to ban abortion rights for your constituents, well, apparently, that only gets you so far even in Virginia. Yeah,
0: both uh, both Youngkin and Santorum have discovered that the sweater vest cannot hide your internal authoritarianism. <laughs> you
1: sweater vest losers on Tuesday night. As the uh, New York Times characterized the outcome in Virginia, quote, definitely spoiled Mr. Youngkin's night. The results offered nervous national Democrats still more evidence of abortion's power as a motivator for their voters, while upending the term-limited mr yunkin's plans for his final two years in office and possibly beyond they note sad in uh, even sadder uh, in supposedly deep red kentucky democratic governor andy bashir defeated trump-endorsed state attorney general daniel cameron to win a second term in office in the state which trump won back in 2020 by more than 25 points this time, Bashir's race, again, he's the Democrat. His race was not even particularly close this time, despite polls showing uh, both the Republican and Democrat tied at 47% each going into Election Day. Last time uh, he was, Bashir was on the ballot in 2019, he won by just 0.4%, uh, less than half a percentage point leading the state Republicans at the time to institute an automatic recount measure for races that are closer than one-half of 1%. But that was not needed this time. Bashir appears to have won by five points over Cameron, suggesting that maybe polls of doom may not end up matching the results of you know what voters actually do when they are faced not with a theoretical choice from a pollster, but with a specific hard choice on the actual ballot when they vote. Just mentioning that for those Democrats out there who have been freaking out about Presidential polls lately. The New York Times reports that uh, being the most popular governor in the country turns out to be a good thing if you want to get reelected. Bashir (laughs) spent his first term and his reelection campaign hyper focused on local issues. Like teacher salaries, new road projects, guiding the state through the pandemic and natural disasters. And since last year's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, he has been opposing his state's total ban on abortion. His GOP challenger, Cameron, who was endorsed by Trump, sought to nationalize the campaign and juice GOP turnout by tying Bashir to Joe Biden and attacking him on crime and LGBTQ issues, that did not work. It's not as if Republican voters stayed home, the paper notes. All the other Republicans running for statewide office won with at least 57% of the vote. Bashir just got enough of them to back him for governor, a Democrat who can win Republican voters without making compromises on issues important to liberal voters is someone the rest of the party will want to emulate in red states and districts across the country, according to the Times. It's also something that might make him attractive to Democrats for years from now. Democrats are always happy to find a Dem that can win in the South for a presidential ticket. The Times also notes that Cameron's attacks on transgender rights did not work either. As abortion access has become the top issue motivating Democrats and with same-sex marriage broadly accepted in America, they write, Republicans casting about for an issue to motivate so-called social conservatives landed on restricting rights for transgender people. But on Tuesday, that did not work. In Kentucky, Mr. Cameron and his Republican allies spent more than $5 million dollars on television ads attacking LGBTQ rights and Mr. Bashir for his defense of them. As Bashir noted during his victory speech on Tuesday. Just look at what we were up against. Five super PACs, my opponent's super PAC, Mitch McConnell's super PAC, Rand Paul's super PAC, the Club for Growth, the Republican Governors Association. All running ads full of hate and division. And you know what? We beat them all at the same time.
0: Yeah, it turns out that attacking LGBTQ kids does not fly.
1: Go figure. Five million dollars they spent on it. Uh, Money well spent, Republicans. Keep up the good work. Um, And by the way, Republicans running for legislative seats in Virginia, also spent more than half a million dollars worth of TV time on the idea of attacking LGBTQ rights. That did not work in Virginia either. Indeed, uh, in Virginia, Danica Roem, a member of the House of uh, Delegates, she will now become the South's first transgender state senator, after she defeated a former Fairfax County police detective who supported barring transgender athletes from competing in high school sports. But y'all keep spending that money attacking uh, LGBTQ people, by all means. Both the legislative wins in Virginia and the gubernatorial election in Kentucky have proven in recent years uh, to be powerful bellwethers, predictors of the following year's federal elections. The pickups in uh, legislative pickups in Virginia tend to be echoed the following year in congressional elections. We'll see if that comes to pass. And in Kentucky, though, in the last six presidential elections, so every election uh, for president in the 21st century so far, in every case, Kentucky gubernatorial, uh, Kentucky's gubernatorial election has predicted the next presidential winner. So uh, a Republican won in Kentucky for governor in 2003, and then George W. Bush was elected in 2004. A Democrat won the governor's race in uh, 2007 and 2011, and the following years, both of them, Obama was elected in 2015. A Republican won for the governor's uh, mansion in, uh, in Kentucky, and in 2016, of course, Trump was elected. And in 2019, Andy Beshear won his first term, followed by Joe Biden's election in 2020. Will that happen again next year? Don't know. But they got a pretty good record so far, and now the Democrat has won in Kentucky in uh, 2023 we'll see what happens in 24 in Mississippi really the only disappointment of the night in the in the major races on the uh, on the ballot on Tuesday even though democratic candidate Brandon Presley's bid for governor was always regarded as a pretty long shot but it was not helped by a, a huge failure by election officials in the state to make sure that there were enough ballots on hand, particularly in Hines County. That's where the uh, state's capital of Jackson is, and it has a nearly 83 percent black population. And uh, Presley pressed hard to uh, get black voters to turn out now that a Jim Crow law that had depressed turnout in Mississippi for years, for more than 100 years, has finally been lifted in the state. Ashton Pittman, uh, a reporter, uh, reports that at least nine Hines County polling places ran out of ballots over the course of Election Day. Pittman of the uh, Mississippi Free Press reported voters told the Mississippi Free Press that one location ran out of ballots as early as 8.30 a.m. Voting began at seven. So what happened there? Uh, hopefully we'll find out. Videos showed lines snaking around the block at a number of locations late in the evening. One, a Baptist church in Clinton reportedly had voters who voted at, at 9 p.m. after waiting online line for two and a half hours. A local TV news outlet said the polling location had run out of ballots at least five times throughout the day and had been restocked with less than 100 ballots every couple of hours. As the state Republican Party was arguing in court not to leave the polling place open, despite thousands of people waiting in line for hours to vote.
0: How Republican of them.
1: Yep. Moreover, as Pittman observed, uh, quote, Mississippi's state election system had missing, incomplete, incorrect, or outdated addresses for at least 92 voting precincts. According to uh, the paper's investigation, the state's online polling place locator relies on that data to tell voters where to go. Pittman quoted tweet whatever uh, tweeted quote whatever happens in uh, Mississippi tonight Mississippi has a serious democracy problem and we need to reckon with how hard it is for so many to cast a ballot here. Adding this isn't okay. As of this hour, the scandal-ridden Republican governor Tate Reeves appears to have defeated Presley by almost five points with the anti-abortion Democrat underperforming expectations. As the Time notes. Times notes, Mississippi's governor's race was the exception to this year's off-year elections rule on abortion. The incumbent governor, Reeves, and his Democratic challenger, Presley, ran as staunch opponents of abortion rights. And in that race, the Democrat lost. Presley hoped to make the Mississippi race close by tying the incumbent to a public corruption scandal that some ninety four million dollars in federal funds that had been intended for Mississippi's poor had been funneled off instead to projects like a college volleyball facility pushed by the retired NFL quarterback Brett Favre. But clearly, Republicans do not appear to be troubled, in the least, by government corruption.
0: (laughs) No, they are not.
1: At least by Republicans. Uh, Maybe Presley should have thought about that. Back in Kentucky, races beneath the marquee governor's race, uh, Democrats also did not run on abortion, and they, like Presley in in, uh, Mississippi, actually lost. You paying attention, Democrats? In Pennsylvania, Supreme, uh, the uh, Supreme Court contest. Uh, Daniel McCaffrey, a Democrat who ran on abortion rights, faced off against Carolyn Carluccio, a Republican, for a seat on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and easily defeated her. The high court in the critical presidential battleground will now have a five to two Democratic majority heading into next year's presidential election.
0: That's rather critical.
1: Philadelphia elected their first female mayor, and she is also black. Democrat Sherelle Parker will become Philadelphia's 100th mayor and the first woman to hold the job, incredibly enough. Uh, Democratic Democratic. Son of African immigrants, Gabe Amo won Rhode Island's first congressional district in the only House, U.S. House special election of the night to become the state's first elected black representative for Congress. The 34-year-old former White House aide who served in both the Obama and Biden administrations continued the Democratic overperformance streak in special House elections since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Amo has called for an assault weapons ban, said he would fight against what he described as extremist Republican attempts to slash funding for Social Security and Medicare. He's also said he would lurk, work to legalize abortion rights nationwide. Again, and that he would fight Desi for more legislation at the federal level to combat climate change.
0: I like the sound of that.
1: I figured you might. Uh, And Democrats defied expectations and expanded their legislative majorities in both chambers of the New Jersey General Assembly. Abortion rights just played a major role everywhere. As CNN summarized the night, quote, Ohio Republicans may have gotten off easy. Their referendum took place now during an off-year election with no voting for statewide offices or president. Other state Republican parties may not be so lucky, they note. In Arizona, for example, activists are gathering signatures right now for a 2024 ballot initiative that will ask voters a similar question to Ohio's this year, a development that already has Republicans there fretting, notes CNN. Quote, Tonight's results in Ohio should scare every Republican in a state where an abortion question is on the ballot in 2024, said Arizona Republican strategist Barrett Marson. Abortion initiatives, he said, are both driving turnout among Democrats and forcing Republicans to talk about an issue of which they are on the wrong side of the electorate, he notes. Well, let's take a quick break here. And we will come back to discuss exactly that with longtime abortion rights advocate and author Robin Marty. She joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. You're listening to an Encore presentation of the Bradcast. Oh, what, a yeah. oh, what, a what a night, indeed, across these United States on Tuesday, at least for those of us who uh, actually do support You know, stuff like keeping the government from interfering between patients and their doctors. Not just those who pretend to oppose that, but those of us that actually do. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. After Ohio voters on Tuesday approved a constitutional amendment protecting the right to abortion and other forms of reproductive health care, advocates both for and against reproductive freedom are now looking at how they can get support on 2024 ballots in at least a dozen states. Since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision that had protected abortion rights nationally for nearly 50 years until our packed, far-right, corrupted Supreme Court majority actually took that right away from Americans— Since then, voters in all seven states that held a statewide vote on the matter have backed access to abortion. That has been true in so-called blue and red states alike, including Kansas, Kentucky, Montana, and now, of course, Ohio, where voters Tuesday enshrined abortion access into the state constitution by a whopping, as of this hour, nearly 14-point margin. As of right now, the results are approximately 57% to 43% in favor of reproductive freedoms in Ohio. Almost the exact same percentages that voted against the cynical Republican effort over the summer to place a measure on a special August election ballot. To mandate that all future initiatives, including the constitutional amendment on the Buckeye State ballot this week, would have to win by 60 percent instead of just 50 percent for passage. That issue one back in August failed in the otherwise GOP controlled state of Ohio, where Tuesday's issue one succeeded Despite Republicans in the state pulling out all the stops to block it with that special election in August with a rewritten ballot summary on Tuesday using anti-abortion like wording with some thousands of voters quietly purged from the rolls, even after voting had already begun for Tuesday's elections by the state's Republican secretary of state, Frank LaRose, who hopes to be the GOP nominee, for the U.S. Senate in Ohio next year. Abortion rights are clearly a winning issue, seemingly everywhere, at least everywhere that the matter has been on the ballots since the Dobbs decision last year overturning Roe. And advocates on both sides of the issue are now taking notice, bigly, hoping to uh, either replicate or avoid. The very clear pattern that we have seen over the past year and a half, constitutional amendments to protect access are already on the ballots for 2024 in blue states like Maryland and New York. And questions are being considered for several other states next year, some to protect access and some to limit or ban it in Arizona, Colorado. Florida, where Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis has signed a law to ban the procedure after just six weeks. In Iowa, Maryland, in Missouri, which has banned abortion at any time with no exceptions for even rape or incest. In Nebraska, in Nevada, in Pennsylvania, South Dakota and Washington State. It is as if there is now a completely new playbook for politics In post-Row America, which is being written and likely today rewritten even as we speak. Luckily, I happen to have standing by the woman who actually wrote 2019's prescient new handbook for a post-roe America, as well as the end of Roe v. Wade inside the rights plan to destroy legal abortion. We spoke with her. Last, back in August, the day after the GOP scheme to make uh, constitutional amendments more difficult to pass in Ohio, went down in flames. And she joins us again for another victory lap. Perhaps Robin Marty is the operations director for the West Alabama Women's Center, which, as the clinic notes, provides judgment-free reproductive health services in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or at least those reported reproductive health services that they are still allowed to offer in Alabama. Robin Marty, I know you are on the road today uh, so there may be some noise but I really want to thank you for taking some time uh, out uh, as you're traveling to join us again on the broadcast today.
2: Of course as when I said anytime I meant literally <laughs> anytime even in the middle of Union Station. <laughs> there
1: you go. Uh, let's, let's start with the big picture Robin. Uh, obviously it was a huge night on Tuesday for reproductive freedom in Ohio but also in Virginia, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and pretty much anywhere else that abortion rights played any sort of role in, uh, in several major contests on the ballot. But arguably, it was a big night for everywhere in the country, I think. Again, w- what's your big takeaway, uh, you know, for a start from the results that we are learning about today? I mean,
2: I think that the most important thing to take away is the fact that voters are still pissed. And this is exactly their way of showing how angry they are. It is going to take all of us as voters who believe in reproductive rights to go out, vote, and change the government on every level. And that's what people did yesterday. They changed it in governor's races. They changed it in state houses and flipped state houses. They changed abortion languages on the ballot. They went and took out school boards that had gone totally MAGA and -hmm. had started trying to take away the ability for kids to be able to read age-appropriate sex ed books. Mm. So we literally are going at every lever of the government and that is going to change things back.
1: Uh, How much of what we're seeing now, Robin, with with these ballot measures so far in every state, red or blue since Dobbs, uh, resulting in protections of abortions? How how much of that is what you actually expected back in 2019 when you wrote about both the end of Roe v. Wade and your new handbook for post-Roe America? Did, Did you foresee this kind of support? Uh, across I the country? expected it.
2: Yeah, I expected it. But also, I've always expected it because abortion has always done this. Um, it's something that our, our Democratic Party has never felt comfortable embracing. But when we talk about full state votes and ballot initiatives, this goes all the way back to the Dakotas in like 2006. Um, they had their first personhood amendment votes back in then. Mm-hmm. And um, it was North Dakota or I'm sorry, South Dakota. And it failed by sixty forty Um Back in Mississippi in 2011, again, failed sixty forty In Colorado, over and over and over again, personhood has lost by at least 40 every time that it has come up. Mm. Well, a winner. I- it's always been a winner. I, we just don't take advantage of it.
1: And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Democrats have sort of been uh, frightened over the years to embrace uh, to embrace this as an issue. Are they finally getting it? Are they finally changing as you see it?
2: Oh, my God, I hope so. I hope so. so <laughs> I know much. You hope, um, but the thing the thing that we need to understand going forward into next year's election is that we need to make this now a national referendum on abortion. We've done the states, we've done city councils, we've done school boards. We need to make this a national referendum. And if we do that, if we do that from the White House, if we do that for Congress, we can change our courts. And so we can change things back. We can do this on every level, but we need to make it about abortion, not about politicians, not about anything other than Mm. do you believe that a person should be able to control their own body? If yes, this is the box you tick. Mm. It doesn't matter how you feel about the person behind it. You tick yes because you believe in that reproductive human rights.
1: Well, that's a lot of folks were calling for that back in 2022 um, and the the Democrats sort of walked up to the line of that, but they really didn't make it their number one issue. Do you uh, suspect that is changing today after what we saw in Ohio and elsewhere on Tuesday?
2: I believe that it will, but I also, I can't make it clear how imperative it is that this needs to happen because one of the downsides of us throwing everything into these state ballot initiatives is we have conceded the ground. We are saying that, okay, maybe abortion should be decided on a state-by-state basis. Mm. And that is the right side. We need to fight it from a federal level and protect it from a federal level. And we can do as many of these ballot initiatives as we want in all of these states. But you have a Texas, you have a Mississippi, an Alabama. We cannot put this up to a vote. We cannot have our legislators actually put forth a ballot initiative so that we get the chance to say what we believe. Mm. So we are always going to need a federal right in order to protect those of us in the deep south to be able to get our access.
1: How are the, uh, these losses for the opponents of abortion and, and, of course, the victories for advocates? I'm wondering how they're really changing the playbook that you have been writing about for so many years. How, how are these losses landing <laughs> with uh, the folks on the right? Do they have a plan to prevent similar outcomes to the ones that we've now seen in these uh, red states like Ohio and Kansas and Montana, Kentucky, etc.? Do you have any sense of how this is landing on that side of the aisle?
2: Oh, yeah, they're just going to end democracy. That's always been the goal was to end democracy. Like, we are at a point now where we are teetering on the edge of minority rule. And that is what teetering gets us. That's what packing the courts gets us. Um, that is what our electoral college gets us. And so they know that if they can push the right levers, they can control all of the laws they can control all of the outcomes without having to have the popular vote behind without having to have popular support behind them. So that's what they're looking at. They don't need to win everything. They just need to win the right things. And that's all they care about.
1: You know, it's really interesting because uh, this is one of those measures where the you know, the Republican is simpl- Republican Party is simply on the wrong popular side of the issue no matter how you feel about it. They're on the wrong side of this issue and a bunch of others and it, this is one of them that they sort of seems like they're left to sort of legislate by force. You know, uh, despite issues like restriction of abortion access being wildly unpopular, is that oh, 100%. sustainable over time?
2: It- I don't know. I mean, Alabama is the best example of what that looks like. Directly after Roe v. Wade was, there was some polling that showed that 60% of Alabamians believed that abortion should be legal, at least in the first trimester. 60% of Alabamians said that. And this is the only state that actually has personhood on their state constitution. So even now, with Tommy Tuberville doing all of his with the with blocking the military leaders. Mm-hmm. They had a GOP pollster come in and ask questions about that. And they also asked about abortion again. And once again, 60% of Alabamians believe that abortion should be legal in the first trimester. At this point in Alabama, there is less than 20% of, of the voters who believe that abortion should be completely legal at every point after conception. And yet that is what is in our law. That is what is being enforced. They can't let this go up for an actual popular vote because they know that they would never be able to keep their restrictions. So, yes, they govern by force.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, that brings up the the question and and you sort of referenced it a, a bit ago. You know, these wins, obviously, state by state, they're great. Um, But there are still these huge swaths of the country right now where it is next to impossible, if not actually completely impossible, to receive necessary reproductive health care like abortion, including your own home state of Alabama and your own West Alabama Women's Center, where, as I understand it, abortion is... I think almost completely banned with very limited exceptions in Alabama and the state constitution itself explicitly excludes abortion rights. So is there any way out, uh, you know, from under that on uh, on the road ahead in the deep south, like states like Alabama, or is the only solution a federal solution at this point? Are there efforts in the deep south in Alabama to rewrite, I guess, the state constitution on this?
2: I mean, we would love to be able to do that. I do believe that there is going to be a law that will be introduced into the legislature to say that we want to have a revote on Amendment 2. I know that there are some people behind the scenes who are working on that. We do not expect that it's going to get anywhere. Um, At this point, I believe our legislature is at least 70% Republican and extraordinarily Baptist. There's no way that they're going to let this be up for a public vote. However, we do have these polls that show how popular abortion rights are. We do have all of these stories of people, not even just abortion rights supporters, but there was just a personhood case that happened in Mobile, Alabama, where somebody sued over a unlawful death for an IVF embryo that was destroyed. Mm. like It's coming for fertility now. It's coming for the doctors who are afraid to do anything because they're worried that new testing and treatment might somehow hurt a fetus. So we have a coalition that we can build, and building that on top of the 60% who say abortion should be legal – we can say you know your legislature is not representing you your legislature is not pushing for what you believe in your legislature is taking away your rights and maybe that can make some change
1: I'm wondering about uh, you're the uh, operations director for the West Alabama Women's Center. Uh, what what kind of a chill has has this brought uh, uh, to the folks who work in your clinic? Uh, is 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 there you know since it has been uh, all but banned, I guess in Alabama, is are are are, are the folks there uh, you know careful about what they even say to to patients at oh. this point?
2: we're beyond that um we actually have a gag order on us essentially that the attorney general has said that it is a criminal conspiracy for any person in alabama to assist someone in finding even a legal abortion so we cannot tell people where the nearest clinics are we cannot tell them what how far they go in gestation um which would be the best ones for them to reach out to all of that would be considered according to him a criminal conspiracy um, that is something that we actually filed a lawsuit along with the Yellowhammer Fund back in, I believe it was the end of July. Um, there was supposed to be a motion to dismiss hearing last week, but it got rescheduled. And yesterday, I learned that it sounds like the Department of Justice might file in our favor a separate filing to support us.
1: So. Even in cases where, uh, what, what, are the, what, what are the rules in Alabama for uh, you know health of the mother, life of the mother, and so forth? Are you able to? Um, yeah.
2: So it's a irreversible bodily harm, um, but doctors don't know what that means or how mm. that actually uh, sits. Allegedly, we can do miscarriage management and that is something that we do at our clinic we have our own protocols that we have in place to be able to verify that this is definitely a pregnancy that is not going to turn into a viable um healthy infant so if there's no heartbeats we can go ahead and do it if somebody's hcg which is how it tracks how pregnant a person is Mm -hmm. if that starts to go down if we have those numbers from blood draws then we can use that to justify doing an abortion but honestly it's people come into us for miscarriage management because they go to hospitals and the hospitals don't do anything. So at least they know that we will take care of them. Whereas the hospitals, either because of the law, we don't know if it's the law or they're too busy. All of our hospitals are shutting down. We lost three maternity wards um, just in the last two months in this. So there's just not access of any type.
1: Wow. And, and, and if they come in, you can't tell them, "Oh, you you could go to Florida." I'm sort of looking at the map trying to figure out where they can nope. go at this point. You can't even say, "We can't do it here, but you can go to Florida. You can go to Ohio, you can go to Georgia or nope. something like that."
2: We are not allowed to tell them where they can go.
1: Just unbelievable. I uh, Do you uh, <laughs> Robin Marty, uh, you know, obviously these these protections are very popular on the ballot. I'm wondering Uh, What, if anything, do we know about the effect of these measures on other ballot issues uh, and contests? In other words, are voters splitting off their opinions on abortion from other matters on the ballot? Are some Republicans who, you know, maybe siding with reproductive freedoms still uh, voting for Republican candidates or or issues otherwise? Or is there a substantial gain for Democrats overall in other contrast contests? Whenever. Abortion rights is on the ballot as well. Do do we have any data on that?
2: We don't really have data yet. Um, We do have a little bit of data on abortion and marijuana um, just from the Ohio election. And so we do know that there were people who voted in favor of abortion rights who did not vote in favor of legalizing marijuana. Mm -hmm. um so obviously there are some some things going on there whatever those might be i know that the new york times put out something analyzing the different counties that had voted for trump in Mm -hmm. 2020 and how they compared when it came to voting for abortion and a lot of people voted in favor of the abortion rights that had voted for trump before Mm -hmm. so there's definitely something uplifting that will kind of bring up all progressiveness and hopefully progressive candidates as well when it comes to ballot initiatives. And I think, quite frankly, if you look at the list of especially the newer ballot initiatives that are happening, there's a reason they're all in swing states. Mm -hmm. And it's because they are trying to make sure that these we can get out the vote. And after seeing the the polling that's happening in swing states right now, Mm -hmm. I, I... Let's, let's say abortion is very popular and mm-hmm. so <laughs> hopefully popular enough to buoy all boats.
1: Well, you know, I, I do keep hearing, and, I, and I'm I'm going to predict that this should happen again around January or so. I You know, every few months since Roe was overturned last year, I, I keep hearing that, oh, the issue may be losing its potency for voters. No. So, uh, you don't see any you know sign of that, that happening. Men.
2: Men say that. Uh-huh. Male pundits say that every time. And no, it's not losing it because we live with this every day. We live with the knowledge that we could be forced— to continue a pregnancy that could kill us because that's the reality. Every pregnancy, no matter where you live, how rich you are, your race, um, your age, every pregnancy can kill the person who who is carrying it. And obviously there are people who are far more vulnerable and those are the people that live in states like mine, but every person puts their health and life at risk being pregnant. So no, we're not just gonna forget about it and say, oh, well, it's been a while, there's still a bunch of states, we've got more states now, so I'm sure it's not that bad.
1: I don't know, there's a lot of dudes telling me that it's just not that big of a deal.
2: (laughs) Tell those dudes
1: if they want sex, then they better think it's a big deal. There you go. Robin Marty is the operations director for the West Alabama Women's Center, uh, providing judgment-free reproductive health services in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, of all places. She is the author of the 2019 New handbook for a post-Roe America, which may need to get rewritten and republished at this point, Robin.
2: (laughs) Well, it just so happens that there is going to be a third edition, and it will be out in October, and I am updating it as we speak.
1: Very nice. Stay in touch with us uh, uh, for that one, Robin. We'll always uh, look forward to talking to you. She's also the author of The End of Roe v. Wade, Inside the Rights Plan to Destroy Legal Abortion co-written uh, with our friend Jessica Mason-Piclo, who's also been a guest on this program. You can find Robin on the Twitters at Robin Marty. I think she's also over on Blue Sky uh, Social Yeah, now. I
2: actually left Twitter. Oh, you did? So okay. I, but I'm Blue Sky all the way.
1: All right. Well, we'll find you there if I ever sign up to Blue Sky. Uh, And, of course, uh, more information we will uh, link to her books as well as to the West Alabama Women's Center at alreprohealth.com. Robin, always great speaking with you, especially on a day like today. Congratulations. Keep up the good work. And thanks again for joining us while you're on the road.
2: Of course. Anytime. Literally. Thank you, Robin. Bye Bye.
1: Man, okay, can can we air that part about if they ever want to have sex again, by the way? Do we have to censor that? (laughs) I think Uh, we're allowed to put that in there, yeah, but but
0: one thing that she said that really jumped out at me was that now that these uh, Republicans in these Republican-controlled states have lost so greatly, um, that they're now probably going to pull out all the stops to make voting as difficult as possible for as many people as possible. Now they're
1: going to pull out the stops? They've been pulling them out for years at this point. They're
0: going to invent new and insidious ways of preventing people. People from voting
1: which uh, yeah which is what Robin said is is yep. their tactic they're just going to end democracy she said at this point yep our job not let them correct <laughs> which won't be easy but uh, days like today uh, don't hurt. Uh, nice nice no. to have a not horrible election day again. Agreed. Uh, speaking of which, uh, one more before we go. And th- this actually might be my favorite victory from Tuesday night. Doesn't necessarily have anything to do with abortion or anything else. But exonerated Central Park Five member Yousef Salam won a seat on Tuesday on the New York City Council, completing what AP describes as a stunning reversal of fortune decades after he was wrongly imprisoned in an infamous rape case. And if you haven't seen Ken Burns' documentary on this, if you're too young to remember it, or if you're uh, old enough that you do remember it, but uh, probably do not know all of the details, Ken Burns' Central Park Five is... A, a, a stunning story. Yes. And uh, now that uh, Salam, a Democrat, will represent a central Harlem district on the city council, well, that documentary is, is will kind of blow your mind even more. The uh, victory for Salam comes more than two decades after DNA evidence was used to overturn the convictions of Salam and four other black and Latino men, Back in the 1989 rape and beating of a white jogger in Central Park. It was uh, a, a horrible crime. But these young kids uh, who were, Salam was arrested at the age of 15, they didn't do it. And yet they were just, as you will see in Ken Burns' uh, uh, a film, they were essentially terrified after our days of being, uh, you know, questioned by police. Without into, their
0: parents there. Without
1: their parents there. Without and I lawyers. Think without lawyers, into eventually confessing to the crime that they didn't commit just because they wanted to go home.
0: They were told, you'll get to go home if you just go ahead and say you did it.
1: And so they said they did it and they were not allowed to go home. They went straight to jail. Salam was arrested at the age of 15. He was imprisoned for almost seven years. Some of the other boys were held for 12 years. Salam said in an interview before the election, "Quote for me, this means that we can really become our ancestors' wildest dreams." Now, you may recall that Donald Trump, way back in the uh, in the 80s or early 90s, after this had happened. He took out full-page ads in several newspapers. This was back when he was just a uh, what do we call him? A, well, a, a fraudulent real estate executive, um,
0: pretty much universally hated by people in New York City. And an
1: attention whore. Yes. Yep. He took out full-page ads in several newspapers at the time, demanding that the state of New York reinstate the death penalty in order to execute the Central Central Park Five who, years later, we would learn were all innocent of the crime that Trump wanted to kill them for. Uh, shamefully, and this is even worse, Trump has never apologized for that. And When he was running for president, I think it was back in 2016, he was asked about it, and he said he still stood by his call to murder those boys. Even all of these years after DNA evidence had cleared them of the crime, finding that there was another person entirely, a serial rapist and murderer, uh, who was linked to the crime through DNA evidence and a confession. And they were completely vindicated. Their convictions were vacated in 2002, so 20 years ago, and they received a combined $41 million settlement from the city. And yet, Trump, 20 years later, still, because he is sick and twisted, still refuses to concede that he was wrong in calling for those innocent, vindicated children to be killed but he just can't admit he got that one wrong. That guy, that guy is now the Republican frontrunner for President of the United States next year. The good news is he's also about to lose his entire business, his entire fraudulent business empire in New York City, where Yousef Salam will now be a member of the city council. So there is that. A good day indeed for democracy on and for Tuesday. rights. Yep. All right, we got to get out. Uh, my thanks again to Robin Marty of the West Alabama Women's Center, to our producer, as always, Desi Doyan, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always greatly appreciated. It is always an honor. If you missed any portion of today's program or you want to share it with someone you know, love, or hate, you can do so anytime for free at bradblog.com. There is no paywall there thanks to those of you, and we rely only on you uh, to keep us on your public airwaves, those of you who hit one of those don't donate buttons at bradblog.com or stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you in advance. Uh, we appreciate it. We need your help. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebook's Mastodons and sites Still, known as Twitter, you will find me at the TheBradBlog. We will see you there until we see you here next time for our special coverage of the third dumb Republican GOP presidential primary debate. Special coverage on our next show. Hope you'll join us for it. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.
0: You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com donate.